And hey, um, on your way out today, stop by the uh, table in the lobby, pick up your Everyday Disciple devotional. So this um, little booklet has uh, a page to read each week. So like on Saturday, Sunday, you can, you can do that. Then there's um, some questions to answer. And then there's a reading for each day of the week. Uh, and a few little questions to answer. It's not a huge um, deal. Oh, and then every day or every week, uh, you do that like a Saturday or Sunday with your family. There are uh, questions and activities for kids too, if you've got kids. So um, pick that up on your way out. If you're joining us online and you would like one of these, uh, email your address to Deanna, D-E-A-N-N-A at reallifecc.us and we will mail one to you. Uh, free charge, just our gift to you for being part of this. Um, by the way, Deanna, if anybody mail, uh, emails you, then mail them a book. Okay. Just adding that to your list of <laughs> things to do this week. Um, in the novel Terran Wanderer, uh, it's a novel series, Terran is an orphan who doesn't know his heritage. So he sets out on a quest to discover who he is. That's a big thing today, right? Like discovering who you are. During this process, he becomes an apprentice in three different trades. And in the end, he learns to be at peace in the person that he is, rather than striving after what he wishes to become. Now, as he puts it in the book, as for my parentage, it makes little difference. True kinship has not to do with blood ties, however strong they may be. And it was through a process of something like discipleship that Taryn in the novel found his identity. And today, we're going to begin a five-week series on the biblical concept of discipleship. And if you've been with us this year, uh, online or in person, we've been talking a lot about this idea of discipleship. And in this series, we're going to really kind of drill down in it for how it affects us each and every, every day. Um, so discipleship is an identity that's also directly related to what we do. Much like Taryn finding his identity in the things that he did, discipleship happens in much the same way. Being a disciple of Jesus is like being an apprentice of Jesus, or maybe today we might call him a journeyman. We learn from the master, and then one day, while we're still learning from him, we begin to apprentice and disciple others in the way of Jesus too. That's kind of the basic concept of discipleship. Now, early in Matthew's biography of Jesus' ministry and life, he records Jesus calling some of the very first disciples, Simon, whose name is later changed to Peter, and then his brother Andrew. They were both fishermen, and when Jesus comes upon them, they're doing just that. They're fishing. They're throwing their nets out into the sea. And Jesus calls them in Matthew 4, 19, and he says this, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, the highest two ethics for any Christian in, um, in the Christian setting, if you're a follower of Jesus, our highest two ethics are to love God and love others. It's out of those two ideas, those two ethics, that everything else in the Christian life kind of falls in place. Everything we do as followers or disciples of Jesus should fit under at least one of those two ideals. So it's no coincidence that Jesus calls these first disciples First, to follow him, right? Love God, follow me. And then to focus on others, fishing for men. 
And so from the very beginning, when Jesus calls the very first disciples, he was laying this foundation of a God and others focused kingdom. He wanted us to see the world like he does, everything that he did. From the very beginning, he was always teaching us. There's something else going on here, though, in the story of Jesus calling Simon and Andrew. They were casting their nets into the water. They were doing what they did every other day. They were doing their job. They were just going about their daily routine when Jesus called them and interrupted their lives and their livelihoods. We don't decide to be disciples. We don't just decide one day, I'm going to be a disciple. We're called by Jesus to be disciples. And every person who is called by Jesus is called to be a disciple of Jesus. There's no option here. If you're a Christian, if you've been called by Jesus to give your life to him, you've been called to be a disciple. And so discipleship is not like some second level Christian experience, right? It's not like this thing, you're Christian for a while, and then you reach this point where uh, life changes and all of a sudden you're enlightened or you reach this place where you, uh, things are just different for you. When you become a Christian, when you're called to be a Christian and be a follower of Jesus, Jesus expects every follower to be a disciple. So our last series that we just talked about was called Followers. How do we follow Jesus? And so if you're a follower, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, if you're trying to follow him in your life, you are supposed to be, you are called to be a disciple. And so this idea of every follower is a disciple is the ideal, but it's not really the reality. Like in every generation before us and every generation after probably, churches are full of people who say they believe in Jesus but refuse to behave like Jesus. They, they claim to be Christian, go to church, they claim Jesus when it's convenient, but they don't live like Jesus throughout the week. They believe, but it hasn't affected how they behave. And so I want to make sure as we dive into this new series this morning that you, you hear me on this. You can believe in Jesus and not be a disciple of Jesus. Like you can say, I believe in Jesus and not be a disciple of Jesus. And so I just don't want you to fool yourself this morning as we kick this off into thinking that you're a disciple just because you show up to church on Sunday mornings or just because you give a little bit in the offering plate or just because you participate in communion or even just because you serve in some area, you welcome or you, you work with kids or, or, or you're in the band. Those things don't make you a disciple. There are a lot of people who believe in Jesus but don't behave like Jesus. They get dunked, but they don't love God and love others. And so um, just right off the bat this morning, we're just going to call it out. And so here's the bottom line today. Disciples do. Disciples do. And, and I, I hope that sticks with you today and you think about disciples do. They do work. Disciples do work. They love God. They love others. They crucify their desires in order to pursue the desires of Jesus. And so, and so that's the bottom line. Disciples 
do. They get involved. They get their hands dirty. They, they work. They do what Jesus did. Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served, and then to give my life as a ransom for many. And that's what we're called to do as well. Disciples do. And so if you ever wonder what a disciple does, well, just know that very basically just disciples do. Like if you see a disciple, they're doing things that Jesus would do. They're out there living. So I think a lot of times we as Christians, we feel like we want to learn and we want to um, gain more understanding. I want to learn the Bible. I want to memorize the Bible. I want to have all of this Bible knowledge. But none of that Bible knowledge doesn't matter if it's not applied to life. You can like be this learner person, this disciple person in what you did in, in learning more. But if you're not putting it into practice, you're not really a disciple because disciples do. So let's get a little bit more specific about disciples today by looking at the last thing that Jesus said to the 11 disciples that he had called. Judas had already killed himself by this point. And so Jesus is getting ready to go back to the Father, um, um, his ascension. So he's been crucified. Three days later, he came back to life. And then for 40 days, he revealed himself to the disciples, scripture says to as many as 500 people at one point, he's talking, he's sharing, he, he uh, shared a meal with the disciples on the shore of, of Galilee. And so he's been around, he's proven himself to be alive and to be a physical being. And the very last thing he says in person to the disciples before he goes back to the Father, um, he says in Matthew 28. And, and it's a very um, important thing because like it's the last thing he's going to say, right? And it's, there's a lot of stuff that has to be packed in here. So let's look at it. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So let's just break this down kind of part by part as we work through the text. Because, again, this is a big moment. Jesus has spent three and a half years with these uh, 12 or 11 guys pouring into them. They've seen him at his highest points and his lowest points. They have lived through a lot of things. They'd seen him um, feed the 5,000 people and then walk across the water and get into the boat and calm the storm. They've seen him raise the, the dead. They'd seen him heal the lame and the leprous. They've watched him do all of these incredible things and yet Jesus knows after three and a half years, they still don't really get it yet. What do you say when you've got to leave your legacy in the hands of people who don't even fully understand what they've been called to do? How does Jesus inspire these 11 guys to risk their lives? Literally all of them are martyred. Risk their lives to get your vision off the ground. This is an important moment. And all of these things are probably going through his mind. How do I inspire these guys who've been clueless for the last three and a half years? And now I'm going away and they've got to carry on this ministry. What happens if 
these disciples don't get the vision of Jesus for the church off the ground? What if they fail? What then? So here's how um, Jesus summed it up. The text says that the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go or had directed them. And and so I think that there you go, right off the bat, the very first verse we're looking at today gives us the starting point for a disciple. Everything else that we do is based in um, obedience. This is how my faith starts. It's how your faith starts. It all has to start with simple obedience. They went where Jesus had told them to go. And so, look, if you're a follower, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you can't expect the right things to happen when you're always in the wrong place. Now, let's just let that sink in for a little bit. (laughs) Because sometimes we get upset, right, about how life is going for us and the way things are happening, maybe in our relationships or in our jobs or work or um, our families or, or whatever. And we just like, oh, why doesn't God just make everything work out right? And then we have, to, we have to go, okay, wait a minute. Am I being obedient to God? Am I doing the things that God has instructed me to do as a follower or a disciple of his? Am I living my life like a disciple? And, and at least for me, what I've found is when my life isn't making sense really, it's because there's areas in my life where I'm not obeying what God has told me to do. I'm not being obedient to the very simple calls of the faith. And so the life of faith begins with belief that affects our behavior. We, we obey. We do what he has called us to do. You trust Jesus as king, and so you submit to his rule. And the very first physical act of obedience that we take as a follower or disciple of Jesus is being baptized. That's what we see in Scripture. It's how we obey. And and so I wonder sometimes, um, like sometimes we go, well, I don't want to do that. Like I don't want to get up in front of people or I don't want to get wet. Like I don't don't know. Like, well, if we're not going to obey the simple things that he said to do that require very little of us, like what else are we not going to obey? And so from the very beginning, it's just this simple obedience. If Jesus said it, then I should do it. It's so simple, and yet it's so difficult, isn't it? Because there's lots of things in our lives where we go, I know Jesus would have me do this, but I really want to do this. And I think the reason that we struggle with obedience so much is that to obey someone else besides ourselves means that we recognize who the king is. And for most of us, we want to be the king. I'm the king of my castle. I make the decisions. I do what I want, when I want, and nobody can tell me otherwise. And yet to be obedient to Jesus means that we submit, we surrender to his rule and his reign in our lives. That means we have to take ourselves off the throne and put Jesus where he belongs. And and so let me just say, if you are stuck in your faith, if, if you feel like it's just not going anywhere and you're just not... like things just aren't working like you think they ought to be working, I think it's time to maybe look at, am I obeying God in the simple things? Have I obeyed him? Have I, maybe even you go back to, if I've I've been baptized, have I followed the very first 
command as a believer. The very first act of obedience as a, as a believer, follower, disciple of, of Jesus in, in, in baptism. Have I done that? Or, um, you know, am I, am I living my life the way God would have me? Or am I going to church and then living the rest of the week however I want? We've got to go back and look at those obedience things. And so if you feel like you're stuck in your faith, the fastest way to get unstuck is just simple obedience. If Jesus says it, then you do it. So here's what it says. Um, here's what it says next. When they saw Jesus, they worshipped him. But what? Some of them doubted. And you gotta go like if you had hair, you'd scratch it. You're like, I don't. What? Was it okay? They've been with him for three and a half years. They watched him heal and and do all of these things and then die and come back to life three days later, just like he said he was going to. They worshiped him, but some of them, some of them doubted. And you, you want to just kind of shake him and go, what are you talking about? How in the world could you, could you doubt? You've spent the last 40 days with the resurrected Jesus. You would think at this point they would go, anything is possible. And then they, like something would happen and they just go, oh yeah, well, Jesus was involved. And so it's just crazy. Like, you would think that there wouldn't be anything that they wouldn't believe at this point. I think it's really cool that Matthew puts this in here. They worshiped Jesus. They like, okay, let's put it in our context today. They came to church and they sang songs and they listened to the message and they were encouraged. But there was some doubt. Is everything in the Bible real? Like, did that, did it really happen just like it said? Or was there, was there something else? And, and so I think it's, it's really cool that it's in here because look, Being a disciple doesn't mean that you don't ever doubt again, that you don't ever have doubts in your life. It means that you don't give up when you do have those doubts. Because all of us have those days when we're just like, I just don't know. Like, like, okay, (laughs) so my parents are here this this week, and um, I was showing dad how to work the TV. Uh, You know, we have the smart TV thing, so it's, showing him how to work the TV. And his question is, where do I get to the news? And I was like, well, (laughs) we don't really have the news. Like there's a news app on our thing, but it's logged out a long time ago because we just don't watch the news. And and so he's like, you don't have the news. And I'm going, it's depressing. (laughs) I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to watch it. Um, <laughs> uh, and so, I don't know where I was going with that. I just want to tell you that story. No, um, there was a reason that I started that story. Uh, I just forgot the reason at the end of that story. Uh, so, <laughs> maybe it'll come to me. Uh, maybe it won't. Am I looking at my notes? What was I saying? It doesn't mean that you don't ever. It means that you don't um, give up. And, uh, and so, um, I don't know, maybe I stopped watching the news so I don't give up. I don't know, something like that probably. Look, if you're following with me this morning, just fit in your best uh, Bible thing right here and we'll be uh, good. Uh, so, so you can doubt as a disciple and you can still move forward in faith. You can have doubts about like the way things are, oh, that's what I was going to say. Okay, watching the news 
causes you to doubt sometimes, right? Because when you watch the news, there's a lot of negative garbage going on. And, and you start to think, well, if God is good and he's loving and he's just, why is all this stuff happening? You ever have those thoughts? Like, why is this going on? And so it's okay to doubt as a disciple. It's just not okay to give up in the midst of those doubts. And like, that's the difference, right? Um, if I stick with it, I go, God, I don't understand it all. And I've got these doubts about why things are working the way they are. What's happening in my own life. But you're God and I'm not. And so I'm going to trust you. That's where we go. That's where we need to get to as a person of, of, of faith, as a disciple of Jesus. Because it's faith overcoming fear. That's the point of doubts. Like if we didn't have any doubts, there wouldn't be any point to this faith. Of we wouldn't have to test that faith and trust in God. And so when I doubt something in my life, that's a sign that I need to move in that direction. Jay, did you catch that? When I begin to doubt about something, I begin to doubt God's goodness or doubt God's justice or, or doubt God's reality, it's an indication to me that I need to move in that direction. And I go, okay, God, what, what really is the reality? It doesn't seem like what you're doing right now is good. But I know that you are good. And so ultimately, out of whatever's going on, you are going to bring good about. And so we walk in that and we try to trust in that. And that's where that faith overcomes our fear. And so I think the key point in this part of the text is that Jesus doesn't condemn them. He goes, dang you disciples, three and a half years, what do I have to do? Like he just throws up his hands and walks away. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He doesn't condemn them. He accepts their doubt and he pushes them through it instead of letting them give in into it. And so their doubt really is probably the very reason that Jesus says the very next thing that he says, um, which is this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so Jesus knew the thoughts and the hearts of the people. And he's like, I know that some of you are doubting and you're just unsure of what's going to happen next. But I want you to know that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And, and so look at these two things. He says heaven and, and earth. All authority in heaven. That's the unseen thing, right? The disciples hadn't seen heaven. They hadn't experienced heaven yet. And so Jesus says, in this place that you haven't even gotten, place you haven't even gotten yet, I have all authority in there. And you can trust that I have all authority in heaven because I also have all authority on earth. And so the disciples knew about, right, they didn't know what was going on in heaven, but they knew what was going on in the earth because they had witnessed it over the last several years. Jesus' authority over demons and disease and disaster and even death. All of these things they had witnessed, they go, well, okay, if Jesus has authority here over all of these things, then he probably does have authority there. And, and we got to remember that in our lives. Go, if, if God has authority um, to deal with this issue and to show up in this area of my life, he also has authority to show up in this area of my life. And I think as Christians, sometimes we, we miss that as disciples. We're like, okay, um, God, I know that I can trust you spiritually and I've seen you work in relationships and whatever. Oh, but this is finances over here. This is a big deal. And I just don't think you have authority over that. And Jesus is like, no. It's interesting that dummy and disciple both start with D. Like, no, you dummy. Like, I all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, there's no place in the universe 
where Jesus doesn't reign. And, and so let, let me ask you, you can respond to this question. Um, how much authority does Jesus have? All of it. All of it. There's none of it that he's left anywhere else. He has all of it. There is not anything in all of creation that Jesus doesn't have authority over, even our doubts. And so when we doubt, don't let that cause you to give up. Let it push you into that area where, okay, I, God, I know that I can trust you in this. And so when we daily surrender to his rule and reign, we recognize his authority over everything as king. And he then commissions us as his disciples. That's the last part of this text. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them to obey or to observe everything that I have commanded you. And by the way, I'll be with you always to the very end. And so because Jesus has ultimate authority in heaven and on earth, he has authority to commission us as his representatives to go on his behalf. And so um, make sure that, that you get this. As disciples of Jesus, our primary function is to make disciples for Jesus. Our primary function is to make disciples for Jesus. It's not to learn every single thing about the Bible and to make sure you know it forwards and back. I mean, that's all good, but that's not the primary function of a disciple. Your primary function is not just to come to church. Like if I just come to church on Sunday, I just check the box for giving. I just check the box for serving. If I just do one good deed. Those things are not our primary function. Our primary function as disciples is to make disciples. To make disciples of all people, meaning every person that we possibly can. And so as a byproduct of our disciple-making efforts, we should be baptizing, we go back to the text, we should be baptizing new disciples and every person possible who pledges their allegiance to King Jesus to follow him without excuse or condition, no matter the cost, for the rest of their lives, we should be moving people through that process. We have a responsibility then to teach those that we baptize, to observe all the commands of Jesus, namely to love God and to love others. And so while we're doing that, while we're making disciples, and, and then because we're making disciples, we're baptizing those new disciples, we're teaching them to observe and obey the commands of God, and then, and then we know and we trust that God is with us all the time. While we're doing that, Jesus is going to be with us. He never leaves us to do all that on our own. He'll be right there working with us and through us in the lives of those around us and the hearts and minds of every person possible so that every person possible might find real life through a relationship with Jesus. And they might come to that place where they too become disciples, where they respond to his call through the Holy Spirit. And so Holy Spirit's always working. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Always working in the lives of, of people around and putting us in places where we can share and we can be examples to people. This last week in um, discipleship uh, group with Lance Callie and some of the guys, um, I heard two stories, two of the guys shared stories about the opportunity that they had to pray with people in places and positions that they would not have expected that and, and maybe not, would not have thought about that in, in the past. 
And so I'm like, this is, this is what happens when we open ourselves up to God working around us and we trust that he is working and we pledge ourselves to be disciples, God opens those doors where we can begin to reach people and share with them and, and see God opening their heart to his son Jesus. Now, all of this is part of God's incredible plan to save the world through faith in Jesus as his king. But then we have to go to, like, what is a disciple? We've already discussed how believing in Jesus doesn't automatically make you a disciple of Jesus. So what does it mean to be a disciple? What does a disciple look like? And so I'm going to put that just as simply as I can. A disciple is someone who strives to look more like Jesus every day. Now, that may sound familiar to you because it's the second half of our mission statement here at Real Life. Help every person possible find real life in Jesus and look more like him every day. Now, technically, the Greek word disciple literally means learner. And I shared in the opening that Taryn, the character in the novel series, apprenticed three different masters, learning from them in order to look like them, to reproduce the things that they were able to do. He was being discipled in different trades. But I want to make sure that what a, uh, uh, what a disciple is at real life here at this church is crystal clear to us. So for our purposes, um, this is what a disciple at real life looks like. First of all, a disciple is disciplined. Being a disciple means that we look more like Jesus every day. And Jesus was disciplined. And I'm not talking about his diet and exercise routine. I'm not talking about those. I'm not talking about his um, morning routine, like getting up and be, growing to work and making sure you take care of things you're supposed to. That's not the kind of discipline we're talking about. We're talking about spiritual disciplines, disciplines like prayer and silence and Sabbath and generosity. And while Jesus didn't practice fasting himself, he said that his disciples, his followers would practice fasting where you give up a meal in order to remind yourself that, that you live by God's power and, and not your produce. It's hard to be a disciple if you don't practice disciplines. And yet, the disciplines can be very difficult. And so, um, we have to be disciplined in order to practice the spiritual disciplines. Because it's hard to get up early to read your Bible or pray a little bit before you go to work. It's hard to, to stay up late if you need to, to help somebody or to serve in some way. It's, it's difficult to give up your Sunday morning or to purposefully shut off all other stimulus in your life so that you can just sit quietly and listen for God. It's difficult. That's why we need to be disciplined to practice spiritual discipline, disciplines. Just keep saying that all the time. A disciple is also dependent. Dependent on God. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Yet over and over again in the biographies of Jesus, the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we see him trusting in and on God. And so Jesus began his ministry by being obedient in baptism, even though he was sinless. He'd never done anything that required him to be baptized. He was, he was obedient to God in that. And then he ended his ministry in prayer, submitting in the garden over and over. God, not your will, not, not my will, but your will be done. And so he gave um, up his wishes in order to accomplish God's will. He modeled dependence on God because he knew 
that you and I would be absolutely dependent on God. And so Jesus modeled that in his life. In John chapter 5, verse 30, Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus was dependent on God. As disciples, we must recognize that we are dependent on Jesus for everything. He is our king. He is our teacher, our master. We learn from him by spending time with him. That's what the spiritual disciplines are all about. You see how they build on one another. Those things come into play so that we can be reminded who we are and that we can't do anything without him. And so through the disciplines, we're humbled so that we become dependent on God. And then we get to work. A disciple is doing. You will never find a disciple of Jesus who isn't working or striving to look more like Jesus. When Jesus was 12 years old, maybe you remember this story, his family was in Jerusalem and then they were, they were at a feast and then they were leaving and Jesus didn't go with his mom and dad, didn't Mary and Joseph, he stayed in the temple. And three days later, his parents have been looking for him and they can't find him and they finally uh, catch up with him. They find him in the temple and here was his reply. Didn't you know? that I must be about my father's business. Didn't you know that I must be doing what God has sent me to do? And then later in his life, Jesus would say to the religious leaders, whatever the father does, the son does likewise. Whatever God does, I do. So Jesus was doing the things that God laid in his path. And so as disciples, we should be, de- be doing the things that Jesus did. He loved God and he loved others. He practiced spiritual disciplines. He was dependent on God even though he was God. There are a lot of Christians who, again, want to study the Bible, want to learn all they can about what God's word says, and that's good. But if you're not also doing those things, if you're not living those things, if you're not putting them into the practice, then you're not really a disciple because a disciple is doing Lastly, again here at Real Life, a disciple is duplicating. The night before Jesus was betrayed and arrested, he washed the disciples' feet, even the feet of Judas, his betrayer. And when he finished washing their feet, he says this, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. And then later, the apostle Paul would say this, pattern your lives after mine. And learn from those who follow our example. And so his disciples follow the example of those who went before while being an example to those who are coming after. So we follow the example of of Jesus. We follow the example of those disciples, those um, masters in the faith who went before us. And we be an example to those who are coming after. Paul talks about about that, how older people in the church should model the way to live and to function and to follow Jesus to younger people in the church. That's the way it was built. That's why it's so important for us to look more like Jesus every day because other people are watching. 
And so as you um, follow Jesus as a disciple of Jesus and, and you are pouring into other disciples who are following you so that they can follow Jesus, you're more careful about the things you do and the things you say and that plays in your mind because other people are watching. So what do we, what do, we do with all this? What's, what's the next step? What, what does this play out in our life like? Well, for starters, I think it's going to be important for you to evaluate who or what you're following. Because honestly, we're all disciples of something. There's somebody, there's some place, there's something speaking into your life. So I think the question for all of us is, are we... Are we taking our life cues? Are we taking our um, spiritual cues? And are we basing our spiritual decisions and our life decisions um, on TikTok or somebody on Instagram or whatever pops up on YouTube? Or are we taking those life cues and spiritual cues by following people who are pointing us to Jesus? And so there's a lot of people I think you have to discern. Are they, are they following Jesus to help other people follow Jesus or are they just trying to get followers for themselves? In the, in the devotion booklet I spoke to you about earlier, there's a link to a worldview quiz that will help you discover, it's just a few simple questions, help you discover who you're being influenced by who you're being discipled by. And so I've, I've linked to that um, in the message notes. There's a QR code there as well, QR code in the devotion booklet. You can scan that it'll, with your camera. It'll take you to the, um, click the thing, and it'll take you to the website, and you can take that quiz um, on that website. And so um, take a moment to do that because it'll be important. It'll help you know Am I being discipled by people who are pointing me to Jesus or am I being discipled by people who are ultimately going to lead me away from him? Again, if, if you don't have one of these, you're joining us online and you want one, send an email to deanna at reallifecc.us and we will send you a copy um, for free. We'll get that out to you in the mail so you can join along with us as we go, um, as we go through that. Okay, let's take a minute to pray and then we'll wrap up. God, being a disciple is, is difficult. There's just a lot of things. And, and, and if we're honest, um, there's a lot of things we go, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to follow in each of those areas. But God, ultimately, when we sign up, when, when we say, I believe in Jesus, we're committing to be a disciple and to learn from you and to follow you and then to help other people find and follow you as well. So God, even though it's difficult, we know that you have promised to give us the strength to, to do it. And so help us to be disciplined and help us to be dependent and help us to be doing the things that a disciple does and ultimately to be duplicating so that we can help every person possible find real life in Jesus and then look more like him every day. And so God, we trust you to help us do that. We want to be a disciple 
making church because that is the primary function of every Christian and every church in every place around the world. And so help us, God, to be that kind of a church and to be those kind of people. We would talk about being disciples, that we would share with other disciples and that we would make disciples everywhere we go of every person possible. Thanks, God, for loving us and for calling us to something so great. In Jesus' name, amen. Our um, gospel statement begins this way. Jesus the King died in our place and rose as our defender. The word defender is a synonym for savior. So let me leave you with this thought today. If Jesus isn't your defender, if he isn't your savior, why would you want to be his disciple? And if he is your defender, if he is your savior, Why wouldn't you? Your first step to being a disciple is to trust Jesus with your life. And if you want more information about how to do that, you can go to reallifecc.us forward slash I'm ready, or you can click on the link in the um, header at the top and then click on the I'm ready link and there's information there for you in several ways. Maybe you've been away from church for a while and you just haven't been a disciple. You haven't been following Jesus and you're ready to get back to that. There's information on how to do that. Maybe you've never been baptized. We want to take care of that and help you be obedient in the first step of obedience for every um, believer. Uh, Maybe you just made a first time decision. We want to help you through all of all of that. And so go to that link. If you're in person, you can stop back at the Connection Hub as well. And if you need to register for camp and you want some help with that, um, stop back at the Connection Hub also. Um, And on your way out, make sure you grab one of these devotion booklets and follow along with us um, through this series. Uh, I really think it's going to be good as we look at how to be a disciple every day of our lives. All right. Next week, we won't be meeting here, so don't show up but we will be live streaming. And so you can join us on Facebook or at live.reallifecc.us from your homes. And we hope, uh, though, that as many as possible make it down to the camp in uh, in Ark City. And we will see you then for all kinds of fun and uh, fabulousness. And uh, my parents will be down at camp as well. And so um, all the stories about what a perfect child I was and never did anything wrong, uh, you'll get all of that, okay? So, all right, love you, and uh, see you next week at camp. Thanks for tuning in to Real Life Live. Our hope and prayer is that the time you've spent with us has left you encouraged and challenged in your faith. It may have also left you with some questions, or maybe wondering how all this faith stuff works. So we want to help you with that. Head over to reallifecc.us for a few different ways we can connect. We're thankful you joined us today and want to extend an invitation for you to join us in person at our current home in El Dorado, Kansas at the Civic Center, 201 East Central, on Sundays at 10 a.m. We hope you'll keep tuning in and growing in your faith to look more like Jesus every day. See you next time.